house today. Isn't this awesome? I really want to encourage you to this upcoming series that they were talking about, My Family, God's Design, beginning next Sunday. This is going to be a good one, I'm telling you. How many know the enemy is coming against our families? Come on, that's where he attacks us. There is not one family that doesn't have some sort of dysfunction in it. So let's just go ahead and get that out of the way before we even start. So invite somebody. This is going to be a great series. We're going to hit some, we're going to have some fun with it, but we're also going to hit some things that we really are very serious that we really need to bear down and learn and allow God to minister to our families at every level. And this is, if you're single and you're like, I'm checking out, I'm not coming for the no, no, no. We're going to hit that as well. Sexual purity, all of those things we're going to hit. And uh, so excited about our growth track being sold out like at the movies. I mean, it's like 55 people signing up for growth track. That is so exciting and indicative of where we're headed as a church. People are excited. We could, you, if, you, if you like to cook, if you like to host things and be, you know, do things like that, we could use your help to feed these folks, okay, and bring something in. Call the church office and, and ask about that if you would be interested in that. We have 55 people. We were planning on 20. Pastor, your faith wasn't very good. Well, thank God, God ignored my faith on that one and just said, you know, I'm going to pour it out anyway. Thank God when he does that, when our faith is low. Now, I really didn't. I just, I was like, wow. So we really need your help with the food. If you want to sign up for that, it's outside and we will contact you. Sign up. We'll email you. You can call the church and find out more about it. Before we take communion today, I want to talk a little bit about what happened a couple of weeks ago in this experience, in this service particularly. And you may have gone to the early service, that's okay. But a couple of weeks ago, we had just come out of that powerful, free worship time where we were talking about working out our worship. And we spent half of that time in worship. And it was just powerful and awesome. And then I was teaching a little bit about worship And I was expressing my desire for a sovereign move of God's spirit in our church. And I posed this question to us. What would happen if we were to all work out our worship to the fullest for a season of time? Not for one Sunday, but for a season of time. And what I mean by the fullest is, we talked about Romans 12.1, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a what? A living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this, the way you live, is your proper worship. So what if we were all, I was posing that question, what if we were all to live our life as being consecrated unto God and at the same time just and then I talked about what would happen was an old-fashioned word you don't hear very much anymore revival we talked about what that word means and what it doesn't mean is a set of meetings going to revival well you don't plan a sovereign move of God So we talked about what revival was, was a complete 
and total saturation of the Spirit of God and a change in the atmosphere, a change in a community, a change in your heart, a change in your behavior. But in the middle of talking about that, in this second service, didn't happen in the first, there was a prophetic moment. And when I say that, don't get like, oh, he's talking prophet. No, prophetic just means powerful. Prophetic means in the moment, a word in the moment. And there, there was a word in that moment, and I spoke it out as I, as, as I felt it in my spirit. And it, here's what it was. I, it was God speaking, I can't yet trust you with that. I can't yet trust you to that level with my presence yet. And folks, it's been wearing me out ever since. Now, let me be clear. Everybody look up here. I don't think God was rebuking us. Now, there's time for that as well. I don't think God was rebuking us. I don't think God was getting on to us like we would a, a, a child doing something wrong. I sensed he was encouraging us like we would our child who, who didn't make the ball team. I know that's, that's crude the illustration for what I'm trying to say, but how many, how many have been there and kind of you've encouraged? You knew they could, but they weren't quite there yet. You knew they were on the right track, and you were encouraging them because you knew it was possible. I believe God is saying, listen to me, this is so important. If you're visiting today, it's a great day to visit to hear this. I believe what God is saying is what you desire is a good thing. But it comes with a price. And it's time to count the cost. This is a word to all of us, to me as your pastor and to you as the body. And so I wrote out a prayer the next morning in my quiet time. And I want to share it with you. And I desperately want those of you who call New Life Home and you've bought into this vision to pray it with me every day. They're going to put it on the board. Lord, show us how to be a people you can trust with your presence. Show us how. What does that look like, Lord? Not a superficial presence. Not a Sunday morning only presence. Not a business as usual presence. But a mighty, life-changing, community-shaking move of your Holy Spirit. What does that look like? How do we count the cost in 2016? I don't want us to spin our wheels doing church stuff. Come on. There's a lot of good stuff we can do. But God hasn't called us to stuff. He's called us to a specific will and a specific vision and a specific thing that he wants us to do. We need to be purposeful and intentional. So I've been praying that, that prayer for a couple of weeks now. And I believe God is already beginning to speak. And so before we take communion, I'm going to share a little bit about that. The words that have been, listen, listen, the words that have been echoing in my mind and in my heart the last couple of weeks are create in me a clean heart. Create in me 
a clean heart. Now, this phrase, as a lot of you know, is taken from Psalm 51. It's where David was confessing his sin with Bathsheba. The prophet Nathan had confronted him in detriment to his own life. You didn't confront the king, folks. They could be like off with your head and psh. But Nathan confronted the king with his sin. And instead of sweeping it under the rug, instead of using his kingship and his authority to get it out of the way like King Saul had done, he owned up to it. He confessed it. And listen, the most important thing, he repented of it. Look with me with Psalm 51, beginning with verse 10. This is the New King James Version. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast or a right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Is that not what we're praying for, your presence? Is that not what we're here for? Is that not what we're desiring, a sovereign move of God's presence? Cast me not away from your presence And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Everybody say your salvation. Folks, it's not our salvation. Come on. It's God's salvation. Salvation begins and ends with the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We cannot save ourselves. God provides that. Listen to me, this is so important. Many of us are not experiencing the joy of knowing Christ. We are saved, look at the board, but we're allowing sin and shame and fear and hurts to overwhelm, to overshadow our joy. Did you hear what I said? We're saved but we're not walking in joy. There's no joy in our life. There's no joy in our heart. Why? Because we're trying to do it on our own. We're trying to walk in our own salvation. And we do that because it's ingrained in us from when we're this high that we have to do it ourselves that we have to be strong and independent and claw our way, push our way, shove our way, climb our way to the top. That's our culture. You cannot save yourself. You cannot claw your way into heaven. You cannot claw your way into a joyful relationship with Christ. You say, Pastor Allen... Hold on. You just did an entire series based on work out your own salvation with fear and work out, not work for. Work out the details. And let me, let me, let me be very clear about this. We can't do anything without the help of the Holy Spirit. We can't work out anything without the help of God. We can't do anything in this life in our own flesh because when we start working in our own flesh, in our own strength, in our own talent, we're going to mess it up eventually and mess it up bad. If you try to walk in your own salvation, it will be joyless. It will be hopeless because you've taken God out of the equation. 
God requires more than lip service. God requires your heart. It's his salvation, not ours. Let me repeat verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then, verse 13 starts, say then. After I put God back in the equation. After I get things back in the right order, after I stop trying to work it out on my own, after I get my joy back, verse 13, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. In other words, then revival can happen. Then a move of God can happen. Then people will be drawn in supernaturally. Then the increase will come. If you believe that, give God praise today. Come on, then. You have to do this and get this right. Verse 15, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire a sacrifice or else I'd given it. You do not delight in burnt offering. Verse 17, the sacrifices of God are what? A broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Repentance and humility. These, O God, you will not despise. Skipping to verse 19, then, there's our word again. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. In other words, when we get to the, the other parts right, when we get repentance right, when we get the humility in our spirit right, then God will bless what we do. We're Americans. We like to do. We can do it good. We are the best in the world at doing it. Come on. We're the best. And I thank God for that. Anybody else? I thank God for the United States of America full of people that are willing to sacrifice and go the extra mile and do it. But as believers, if that's all we do and we take God out of the equation, he can't bless it. And we get what we've always gotten. A nice Sunday service. This is what he's given me so far. <laughs> I don't have any, I don't have the resolution. This is, it's kind of like hitting a chord on the, the piano that's, that's suspended and then just taking and just walking away. You musicians know what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, my Lord, don't do that to me. It's, it's funny. It just hit me. You guys always get the extra stuff. Mozart. I know Mozart. He was like, you know, young man when he died, but brilliant. Genius. His wife, he was lazy. He wouldn't get out of the bed. His, you know, his wife would just totally off, you know, just turn, turn off for a second. He, his wife would get him out of the bed. True story. By walking to the piano and playing an unresolved chord and just walking away. And finally, he would have to get up and going, resolve the chord because he couldn't lay there. I don't have my God. I just set us up. That's what God has given me so far. We're not done. 
And I don't even know exactly what the unresolved cord is. But I'm not going to give up. I'm going to press in. And what I'm asking is that you press in with me and you pray with me. You get on your knees with me. You worship as hard as you can with me. Come on, so that God will continue to speak and so that we can see this move of God that we're praying for that will bring change to our community. Hallelujah. 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 Now listen, I want you to be clear for anybody that's thinking this. I'm not saying that there's sin in the camp and that God's not going to move until we vet it out and embarrass somebody and do all that. Well, yeah, there's sin in the camp. (laughs) This isn't the Old Testament. It's not working that way. It doesn't work that way. But what I am saying, listen, is that somewhere along the way, we have forgotten, we have neglected true repentance. Not just being sorry we got caught, hello, And not even just being sorry for what we've done, but turning away from it. What I am saying is that somewhere along the way, we left out humility. Because being humble is counter-cultural. You see, in our culture, we have so much talent and so many resources. Listen, listen, we don't even need God to have good services. And to a large degree, not, not totally, not, but, but mostly, he's taken his hands off and left us to our own devices. Read the Bible, that's what he always does. Read the story of Israel. Everybody look at me. Kids, teenagers, I'm not satisfied with that. I love the excellence, and we're going to continue to give God our best. That's scriptural. We give God the best that we have. We do the very best. I love to preach. I love the music. All those things, we're not going to stop doing our best. But I've come to a place where it's just not enough. I'm not satisfied. I want to experience, come on, not just hear about, I want to experience a move of God that is so powerful that people will just have to come in to see it, to believe it. I want my children to see a move of God so powerful that they will never forget it, that when they get older and when they're struggling, when they're in the middle of a storm, this experience that they've had here will be so powerful that they can look back as a watermark experience and say, I know God is real because I've seen it before, and I know God, if he did it then, he'll do it now. That's the kind of God. That's the kind of experience. That's the level of his presence. As we move into communion, as we prepare to sit at the Lord's table, let us prepare our hearts for real and truly repent of our sin. I want to share this definition uh, from R.C. Sproul. It talks about repentance. Look on the board. It's powerful. Repentance expresses sorrow for the ways in which we have offended God, but it also is much more. Everybody say much more. 
Repentance is a change of mind and action wherein we cease our approval of wickedness and justification of bad behavior. We live in a culture that has justified sin. We live in a culture that has totally approved of every kind of wickedness and sin, and we're right in the middle of it, and we have to be strong. We have to be a people of God. We have to be in one mind and one accord. We have to approach people with grace and truth, 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 with the grace of God, we have to live in that atmosphere every single day. We have to bring up our kids in that. We've got to have the help of God. We've got to have a move of God. We've got to have the Holy Spirit to help us because if we don't, we're never going to make it. It is foremost a decisive reorientation, a change in direction of one's life away from From the self. That's the key right there. Because, again, it goes back to if we're trying to do it. If we're trying to do it within our own flesh, our own strength, we're going to fail because we are selfish people. Don't look at me like that. You know it's true. Away from the self and toward the Lord. We have not truly turned from sin if our lives are unchanged. Would you bow for prayer, please? Holy Spirit.